Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys have no idea how much I had to pay her to get her to come up and do that. <laughs> if we hadn't had the opportunity to meet, and I mean, Brent mentioned it, my name is Nathan. I do have the honor to serve as one of your elders, as well as to lead worship uh, regularly here at Fellowship. And it is my uh, privilege this morning to expound upon this selected text as we are continuing in our series, Words to Live By. My intent is to share some truth from Ephesians 5, 18, and 19. There's a story of a young boy who was attending church with his grandparents. If anybody hears that low reverberation as I might hear, I'm sure it's going to get taken care of. So patience with you on that. But there's a story of a young man who was visiting church with his grandparents. And as they made their way into the sanctuary, he looked to the front and saw this flag with all of these little pins on it. And so he asked his grandma, hey, grandma, what's, uh, why are there all those pins on the flag? And she patiently listened and replied, well, that's uh, to represent all the men and women who died in the service. After thinking about it for a moment, someone who's already got it. Uh, the young boy asked, well, did they die in the morning service or the <laughs> evening service? Now, I have uh, had the opportunity to visit many churches over the years, and I've experienced the type of church service that is more representative of a funeral than a celebration of life. And I've stood on this stage and been able to look out to the midst of this congregation or a representative of it as in the midst of our corporate worship to see men and women alike though more often men sadly with their faces faces emotionless and stoic as corporate songs are lifted with voices declaring the worth and majesty of God the thankfulness for the salvation he has provided in the anticipation of that future day when he returns to make all things new I've rarely spoke of the discouragement that can befall my own heart when enraptured in song my gaze falls on a glowing face. That face is not a glow because it is reflecting the radiance of a worshipped king, rather it is a backlit display of a handheld device. And I don't shame anyone for wanting to use a device, especially during the message time, to follow along, take notes and so forth. But when we're singing songs and I look out and all I see is a glowing face, I know where your attention is. Well, as we look at today's words to live by, it's my hope that you will be led to the point of being filled with the Spirit and that this filling will enable and embolden you to respond with exuberant singing. As we look to the reality of the life of the believer, that is this reality of being filled with the Spirit, we'll look at the precedent. This is what comes before. The process, how are we 
to be filled with the Spirit and the product. What is its effect in our life? So Ephesians 5, 18, as Miss Patty has read, we begin with a command, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Well, while this portion doesn't drive home the point I believe the scripture is trying to make for us today, it, this part in itself is worth living by. Um, my goal this morning isn't to talk about wine, but let's take a few quick insights here. First, firstly, this is the same word used for wine as used throughout all the New Testament. There's just one word for wine in the New Testament. Uh, this passage specifically isn't a prohibition for drinking wine. Uh, this passage may not necessarily be a prohibition against drunkenness. However, we have plenty of other passages to look for for that. I say that because I think he's trying to make a different point. But as a matter of wisdom, we should also understand that this verse shouldn't be limited to wine. I was sharing this with someone, being out drunk with wine, and they immediately said, well, beer's okay, right? <laughs> well, it's representative of any controlling substance in our lives. Finally, the dictionary definition defines debauchery as an excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. Now, we don't have to personally experience this intoxication in order to understand its impacts, whether through personal experience or portrayals. Uh, we know that such a state of intoxication impairs a person's senses and their judgment. So if you take nothing away from today more than this, don't get drunk. Don't get drunk with wine or any substance. But Paul's exhortation here is really to show this parallel and contrast with what follows. He says, rather than indulging in wine indulge in the spirit instead of being filled with this intoxicating controlling beverage be filled with the spirit as we begin digging into what it means to be filled with the spirit i want to talk about the precedent that is what comes before we are filled with the spirit the spirit what precedes being filled with the spirit and i would say that before you can be filled with the spirit you must have an appetite for the things of god must have an appetite for the things of God. While intermittent fasting might be all the rage in the health and dieting world at present, it's not going to work for your spiritual life. We need to be regularly feeding upon the things of God. We see this metaphor played out throughout all of Scripture. I'm going to throw some quick... Uh, in your worship guide, by the way, I put all these references. They're not All of these are going to be on the screen this morning. But if you want to go back and look at them, these are just representative of many more like it. Psalm 42 says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. We've got the whole motif of manna in the wilderness and how that parallels our hunger for God and God's provision for us. Jesus says in Matthew 5, among the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
In John 60, in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Even Peter says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. And we close out the book in Revelation 22, where he says, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. So we have this spiritual hunger. Paul tells us in Corinthians 2, 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man does not accept the things of the spirit. So this leads me to believe that the spiritual appetite, the spiritual hunger is a this hunger and thirst is for regenerated people, for the redeemed. He's speaking to believers here. We, we must have an appetite for the things of God if we are to be filled with the Spirit. And as we look, we have this contrast and parallel between the getting drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. These two verbs used in this first verse, verse 18, are in the same Tense, mood, and voice. Now, why, why does that matter, and what does that mean? Well, firstly, they're both present tense. We're talking about now. This, com- this for us, to be filled with the Spirit, is something relevant to us now. It is an exhortation to our always present situation. Uh, from a uh, mood sense, it's an imperative. This means it's a command. This is not a recommendation. This is not a suggestion. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit, just as Brent mentioned in the Psalms. We are commanded to sing. Here we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And then it's this middle voice, which gets a little bit difficult because we are not the filler. Our being filled with the Spirit has to be somehow in cooperation with the Spirit itself, that He would come and fill us. But this combination of present imperative middle voice also tells us that this is not, this is an ongoing process. It's not a one and done action. We are expected to keep continually being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not a one time event, rather, it is continual, ongoing expectation in the life of the believer that we would regularly be filled with the Spirit. So if we are to regularly be filled by the Spirit, that begs the question of how? What is the process by which we are filled with the Spirit? Well, I'm going to tell you that the, uh, the way I'm going to understand it and share this with you is that the process uh, that being filled by the Spirit requires that we feed on God's Word. So we started with this appetite. We have to have an appetite for spiritual things. Now we feed that appetite with God's word. We know that all scripture is given by inspiration. And sometimes uh, we have to go back and forth between different scriptures to understand another scripture. Uh, He's not very prescriptive to us here in Ephesians 5.18 on what it means to be filled with the spirit. But he does show us that the response, and we'll get there, is these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Well, there is a very unique parallel to this when we look at Colossians. Colossians 3, 16. This almost would have been the verse to live by today, but uh, I favor the Ephesians passage. Colossians 3, 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you 
richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We see this parallel of the outcome, of the effect. So I'm going to infer that these dual causes are related and correlated to one another. In other words, if being filled with the Spirit causes us to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and if letting the Word of Christ dwell in you ritually results in singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, then perhaps letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly will lead to being filled with the Spirit. And so, for us, this process of preparing our hearts and lives to be filled by the Spirit, the command God has given us, is that we would let the Word of Christ dwell in us. A healthy diet of the Word of God will prepare you to be filled with the Spirit. Now, when I was a young boy, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather uh, on my mom's side. I have many memories of our time fond memories of our time together, and uh, if mom's listening and watching the live stream this morning, I'm sure she'll uh, see this in my life as well, particularly uh, one thing I will credit to my grandfather is the appreciation of a tomato. Now, you see, as typical of young boys, I was not fond of tomatoes. However, anytime I was with my grandfather, which was often, uh, and uh, often sharing a meal, when it came to a nice cold-cut sandwich, he would make me have a tomato on my sandwich, much to my dismay and chagrin. However, over the years, my tastes have changed. Today, I'm not the one that eats a tomato like an apple, and I know there are those of you out there. However, I will delight in a locally sourced in-season, vine-ripened tomato. And so for any of you who have a garden and you got extra tomatoes to share, you know, bring it on. In fact, uh, and, and you know, I'll stop by or Rachel will stop by Blooms and Berries and get one of those nice heirloom tomatoes or this ye those yellowish orange ones. I don't even know what they're called. They're good. And I will grill a hamburger just so it can be the vehicle to have the tomato. Now, whether it's, but so, so then over the years, my tastes have changed, matured and cultivated. And so whether it's tomatoes or Brussels sprouts or broccoli or eggplant parmigiana or any other substitute, our tastes can change. And such is the case with your spiritual appetites. Because I'm not going to make a promise to you now that if you go home this afternoon and you sit and you open the Word of God, that it will be this veritable buffet for you. That you will always find something rich and be like, oh, this is the best thing I ever tasted. However, over time, if my ex personal experience has grown to prove anything true, it's that if I invest some time in there, it will be worth it. It is that uh, as I begin to taste and see that the Lord is good, that my, my taste buds will change and I will want to desire it more. You see, digging for treasure 
is a laborious task, but in the end, it is always worth the effort. So now we're going to turn to conclusion. This is going to be shorter, people. Amen? Okay. No, no, I got, got no amens on that one. Uh, what happens when we are filled with the Spirit? Luke speaks in the Acts about Stephen and Barnabas and indicates that both of these men were full of the Holy Spirit and faith. doesn't clarify that this measure of faith preceded or proceeded from being filled with the Spirit, but there's a correlation there. If we, so faith is related to being filled with the Spirit. We look in, if we even continue here in Ephesians 5 uh, through verses 20 and 21, we'll see that thanksgiving and submission are related to this spirit-filling experience. Thanksgiving is also echoed in the parallel passage in Colossians. However, these attitudes aside, the most visible expression of being filled with the Spirit is singing. It's the product. What does being filled with the Spirit produce in our lives? Well, the inward reality of being filled by the Spirit results in an outward manifestation of singing. Now, this isn't just coming from the guy who happens to stand up here with a guitar and hope that you sing. This is, people, the word of the Lord. This is the commandment of God. If we... The person who sings isn't necessarily filled with the Spirit. But our text today seems to indicate that the person who is filled with the Spirit, will be marked by singing. The singing is expressed in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms, uh, so we know, psalms are quite literally scripture set to music. Uh, both these first, psalms and hymns, are what we call transliterations, meaning the Greek word, psalmos, it's like we just kind of took that Greek word and made it into an English word. And that's where we get psalms. Sim similarly with hymns. It's like hymnos. Hymns are songs of honor and praise and thanksgiving, celebrating a worthy one. These are more like songs about God. In fact, they would have hymns that would be for a certain hero, or you might have a hymn for your uh, nation or some event that happened to tell the story about it. But in our case, these are speaking about God and celebrating him in that way. Then spiritual songs, these are two different words here, one of them being song or ode, like ode to joy that we might hear and think of, and spiritual just meaning of the spirit. These are songs from a spirit-filled heart addressed to God. These can be rehearsed and spontaneous. But these are three different ways he talks about our response in song. Inherent in these three types of songs are our three audiences. There are three audiences of our worship and singing today. First and foremost, God. God is ever-present, always watching, always listening. We sing first to God. Secondly, our audience is the gathered church. You may say, like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to sing in, in my own private time. Like, but I'm not, I don't want to sing around others. Well, 
This is very explicit in our text that says that as we are filled with the Spirit, we address one another. We sing to one another in these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Pastor, uh, teacher Mike Cosper says, as we gather, we sing to each other. We declare the truths of the gospel to one another. Our presence and our participation is not merely for the sake of our own individual relationship with God. It is also for our brothers and sisters' sake. And finally, the audience of the watching world. Our songs have the audience of the watching world. As the church gathers, it proclaims to the surrounding world that Jesus is king, that he alone saves, and that he is their only hope. The late Tim Keller, we passed earlier this year in May, he says that it's, it is a false dichotomy to insist that if we are seeking to praise God, we must not ask what the unchurched feel or think about our worship. Like, we, it's, it's wrong to say we shouldn't care what the world thinks about our worship. Rather, God wants the world to overhear us worshiping. God directs his people not simply to worship, but to sing his praises before the nations. We are not simply to communicate the gospel to them, but to celebrate the gospel in front of them. If you are visiting with us today, this service is a bit different from what you might find on a typical Sunday. Firstly, you'd likely hear a message from our lead pastor, Brent. Secondly, as Brent mentioned, and many of you noticed, our service is a little lopsided here. Uh, the message is usually not done uh, within this near time frame. But this is particularly due to the content of the, and the direction of our text this morning. Because it's not often that we are challenged by Scripture in such a way that we can have an immediate and visible application and response. But today, you will be given this opportunity to respond in singing. We believe that Jesus is essential to all of life. And I pray that our response in song shows an exuberant confidence in the gospel, both proclaimed, understood, and practiced. I hope that you today are surrounded by voices lifted skillfully or as a joyful noise. And that if you hold to these truths of the songs we will sing in response today, that your faith is emboldened. And if you aren't sure about Jesus, if you're visiting with us today and this is like all new to you, I hope that you are surrounded by a body of believers that seems enraptured by something supernatural. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, you are worthy of our loud, sustained, heartfelt, spirit-filled praise. We rejoice in confidence at your word proclaimed to us today. We pray that you would tune our hearts to sing your grace. Tune our hearts to sing your mercy. Tune 
our hearts to sing of your love, your holiness, your glory, your cross, your blood, your salvation, and your might. Prepare our hearts in this moment for an eternity of praise. To the only wise God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Would you stand as we respond, as we put the testimony, our heartfelt belief, into song.